All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to the DFO Rundown Podcast with Frank Saravalli and Jason Greger on dailyfaceoff.com. Delivered by DoorDash. Welcome to episode 160 of the DFO Rundown. I'm Jason Greger alongside uh, Frank Saravalli. So uh, let's get to the uh, major topic of the day. Frank, did you ride your Peloton this week? I did uh, all five days. Uh, It was a grind. I committed to 30 minutes a day and I was dead by like Wednesday. But uh, over 3,400 calories burned in the five days. And, uh, like it's, this is part of what I hate about myself. Uh, I see like my shirt is already fitting better. Like I can, I'm already noticing a difference, small things like that. And it's like, I hate seeing results cause it makes me want to stop. <laughs> yeah. Well, the good news is, uh, you've publicly said you'll commit to it. And so, uh, I will hold you to that. Uh, actually he does send me a, it's basically, I'm like, I'm like the parent. Frank has to send me the, uh, screen capture of his ride every day. So, yeah. So I've done that and I'm committing to all five weekdays for the month of October, which will be interesting. Cause I have some travel mixed in those days as well. Uh, that's going to be the hard part. The challenge is, uh, as I, I was asking some people this week, how they find time, they said, losers find time winners make time. Boom. Right. It's very true. By I said, okay. That, 
I like that. So, and thank you to everyone listening who followed me on Peloton. By the way, my username at s e r a v a f. Uh, nice to get those alerts and uh, keep following along and keep pushing me and send me a message if you do. We'll uh, maybe we'll hop on a ride together. Nice. Um, also, uh, shout out to Frank who. Um, Today is uh, Friday, the seventh uh, of October. Uh, it's my fourth annual uh, Jason Greger Pizza Pig Out, and uh, we raise all the money for a kid sport. And Frank, of course, lives in Philly, but uh, he bought two spots for vehicles and uh, went to families who otherwise probably wouldn't afford it and couldn't come. So I know there, there'll be a few kids tonight, Frank, that are pretty jacked up, stuffing their face with pizza and uh, and watching the uh, bad guys. It's a drive-in movie. We we have the biggest uh, outdoor big screen in Alberta. Uh, for this event. Uh, it's awesome. Lots of families come. So uh, thanks for doing that, buddy. I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah. Happy to do it and hope they love the pizza as much as I do. Oh, dude, I'm telling you, it's a, the pizzerias take it very seriously. And, you know, there's new ones all the time that want to come in and challenge because uh, uh, everybody who comes gets to vote uh, on their favorite and there's lots of different categories. And Oof, sounds I, like I, heaven I, to me. Like I have, I've lived uh, here for, you know, over 25, 30 years and, and there's pizza places that I've never been to that are just now they're on my list of places that I go to because of, uh, of the pig out. Cause you know, some of them are small ones kind of in that neighborhood. And usually some of those places have the best pizza. Yeah. I'm uh, really happy that, uh, that your pizza pig out is going tonight and, uh, you know, the only unfortunate thing was the timing that, uh, San Jose Sharks, Noah Gregor playing well, over in Europe. Noon, though. I know you're going to see it, but you could have, you know, had you, had you planned it out a little bit better, you might've been able to go to Europe. Yeah. But if I'm going to Europe, I'm going for like three weeks. So I don't, I don't know if I, can, you I can't, you can't, you can't do that to the rundown. No, I know exactly why I would do. I would do it in the summertime. I wouldn't do it in the season. Right. Plus coaching hockey and stuff. Yeah, it doesn't work. But I will be planning a trip finally to uh, San Jose this year. So Awesome. I've been there, obviously, lots when I used to do uh, play-by-play for uh, lacrosse. But uh, it's been a while to, to sit in there. And the uh, my son, um, because uh, we got, uh, you know, Gregor Shark jerseys for everybody in our family. And so when he played in Edmonton, we all wore them, sat in the crowd. And my son's like, yeah, but, Dad, I want to go where everybody's wearing a shark jersey. I get it. He doesn't want to yeah, be kind of the I outsider. Like so uh, we'll be going to uh, to San Jose this year for sure. So Kids are funny, man. Uh, today was picture day in our house and just trying to get my 8-year-old ready. Like, you know, he doesn't want to comb his hair. Uh, it's like a daily fight to get him to brush his teeth. And I'm like, dude, like I can smell your breath from across the room. And he's like, but, Dad, you can't smell it through a picture. And I was like, oh, fair point. Like, well, I mean, what am I going to say to that? Like. And we, we just, it's funny because we had dentist day at our house and uh, my son, cause I, I told the dentist once, cause you know, like any kid, he doesn't really want to brush his teeth. And I said, just give him a little scary Tori, show him a few pictures. And so he showed him a few pictures of people. What happens if you don't brush your teeth? And oh, now my son brushes it. his teeth. No yeah. problem. Yeah. There you go. No problem. So, Hey, uh, today on the show, Jonathan Huberdo will be our guest as we preview the Pacific Division, the final of the four. We've uh, been around the league. We had McFarland in the uh, Central, the GM of the Stanley Cup champions. We had the new head coach of the Detroit Red Wings, uh, uh, Derek Newsy Lalonde. Uh, doing the Atlantic. We had Rod the Bod, Brenda Moore from the Metro, and now uh, Jonathan Huberdo, of course, the uh, mate, one of the big off-season acquisitions for the Flames, will join us. And I, I know that, obviously, Frank, um, you know, he didn't have a great camp, but uh, speaking of Calgary, Sonny Milano had 14 goals. He had 34 points last year, 
And now he can't even get like a league minimum contract. It, it's surprising to me how, how quickly, you know, his game's kind of gone off the rails or, you know, like I talked to everybody in Calgary and they, they said that, you know what, like he didn't, he didn't look that invested, kind of similar to Jake Vertanen on a PTO in Edmonton. But the 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 Sunday Milano one, like to score 14 goals, man, like you're there's not many guys who score 14 goals in the NHL. Like that's third line production, but he he can't even find a contract. You know, I'm going through this project and I've mentioned it before, archetype rankings on dailyfaceoff.com, our first one, first couple launched this week. And where we're breaking down players into classification categories, buckets of, of uh, skill sets. And the big question as I checked in on Sonny Milano around the league this week was, what does he do to help you win? No one can answer that. You mentioned the 14 goals. They might look at that and say part of that was line mates, luck, whatever it may be. He's, he's obviously a really skilled player. But what facet of the game, you know, third line players, you know, it's, it's up and down. Like you may not get the opportunity to score 14 again, and that may not even necessarily be the role that the coach wants you to play. So you've got to carve out a niche, something that you're really good at, that you can hang your hat on, be a specialist of some kind, do something different than everyone else. And he, he hasn't found a way to stand out. No, not, not at all. And it was, now it's it's almost like a carbon copy of what I was watching with Vertanen. Vertanen, I think Emmonson was screaming for a player. All he would have had to do was was show some intensity, and he might have earned himself a contract because they're bottom six. They don't have a lot of size. They don't have a lot of physicality. Do something to stand out. Nothing like didn't look like like Tyler Benson was the player in the bottom six who stood out every game. He gave everything he had. He looked like a player Frank that was desperate to get noticed and make the team. And then unfortunately got injured and is probably going to start the season on LTIR. But when you compared him and Vertan, and lots of times they were on the same line, it was night and day. I was like, maybe Vertan just doesn't want to play. doesn't have the, you know, the, the emotional drive to play, which is what you need. In I don't NHL. think that's it. He wouldn't have come to camp if that was the yeah. case. Like he wouldn't have put himself through the summer. He would have just said, I had a failed season in the KHL. I went through all this stuff in court and I'm just going to, you know, slink out of public life. Because uh, his, you know, he his last game, I guess, because he played six out of seven. His last game was okay, but the rest were literally non-existent. And that's in preseason, Frank. Because hey, I am the biggest advocate. There's like eight preseason games for some of those teams. It's awful because you know you can't get anything out of those games. And if you can't stand out in games where where there's majority of junior and AHL players, you got no shot. Right. And sometimes we overreact to players that do really good things in those preseason games because of that. But in this case, it's not like you can walk away from this, this camp. If you're Milano, if you're Vertanen and say, they didn't give me a shot because they did. And you didn't take advantage of it. No, not whatsoever. Uh, The big news before we get to Uberdo, Matt Barzell. Big contract to stay in long Island at eight years, a 9.15 million cap hit. Um, you know, when I look at what other guys signed for this summer, you know, like Johnny Gaudreau, Jonathan Huberdeau, and others, and you just look at their point totals in the last few years, there was no way Huberdeau was, was going to be equal to them. And even, at, you know, getting 9.15 at his production, he earned himself a pretty good contract. Some would say it's an overpay. Um, I'm not sure yet. I think it will obviously being an eight year deal, it's way too early to make a determination. And I really want to see how this year goes with Lane Lambert, a change in head coach. I think 
Matt Barzell and and sort of the lack of production that he had over these last few years under Barry Trotz, because he is so defensive minded in terms of his approach, you know, I think his lack of production and the team's overall lack of goals was a big reason why the coaching change was made. And I'm curious to see what the change in philosophy is because Lane Lambert, of course, is a Barry Trotz disciple and has been for a long time. So, you know, the assistant is always a little bit different than the head coach, but this is a pretty significant change. And and I think the bet from the Islanders is let's get this done now rather than, you know, six months from now after Matt Barzell has a big season and it costs us more. My thing is given his, you know, rookie season, 85 points in 82 games, that was at this point a statistical outlier. I would have made him do it before giving him this kind of contract um, because I don't know how much it really would have cost him that much more in the end. You know what? It, it, that's always the balancing act when it comes to these long-term deals. You know, some people are like, well, you know, should we sign the guy to the extension right now? Um, you're right about Matt Barzell. The, like the rookie mm-hmm. season, that's a long time ago. And yeah, he, you know, he showed he could be a point of game player, but really, you know, you know, to be a, a point of game player means you're, you're doing it or you're coming close to averaging that all the time. And, and he really hasn't. Now, maybe it was the style that the Islanders have played. They, they haven't necessarily been an, an offense first type of team, really. So maybe that plays a part in it. But the, the, the reason why, Frank, I have concerns about it is Matt Barzell's power play production is not close to the other top end offensive players. And that's like, that's where you get your gravy points. It's, you know what? It's, it's hard to score a lot of points. Like obviously the, the uh, Lindholm line in Calgary last year was like the outlier to that. They were exceptionally good at it, but usually you look at the top end guys and you got to be able to produce on the power play. And Matt Barzell gets tons of power play time. He's the guy with the puck on a stick, the most on long Island. He's got to be better on the power play. To me, if you're making 9.15, you have to score more too. Here are his last four seasons and goals, 18, 19, 17, 15. I I know that not everyone's a goal scorer, but even the best passers in the league, you know, you look at Huberto, you look at Johnny Gaudreau, they're consistently topping 30, 35 goals a year. Barzell is not close to that. He's got to double that goal production to get there. And, you know, he may be a supremely talented playmaker, but you need both to justify that kind of cap hit. One last one before we get to Jonathan. David Pasternak, Frank, where, where do you put him in? Here's a player. Uh, if you were the Bruins, would you sign him now? Because, you know what, uh, like, like to me, Pasternak's a pretty proven commodity. You just mentioned scoring goals. He's got the fourth most goals in the uh, – fourth uh, highest goals per game in the NHL. He's got 108 goals the last three seasons. Like, this guy scores. He's, he's a 1.19 points per game over the last three seasons. Like, he's a legitimate – producer and I, you know, I, I he's Jonathan I, I would say this Johnny Gaudreau is the base like that's the minimum Pasternak's gonna get I think Barzell just set the minimum okay did he not you think that's a minimum well because Pasternak's way above him it's way, that's well that's what I'm saying you know who hates the Barzell contract more than anyone else it's the Bruins because that was just another market-defining contract another player similar age although different playing style um, and you know, and in this case, uh, different positions as well. But when you, when you look at the goal scoring and the production, like how could you look at Pasternak's numbers 
who he's also consistently topped 80 points. Like he's, he's gone and taken that Barzell rookie season and has gone and done it five more times. Yeah. Like he honestly think he, he, he's a, he's a seven digit player. His AAV. After that, he has to be. Yeah. If if the Bruins somehow managed to get him, even a Johnny Gaudreau's cap hit, that's a, that's a, that's a great deal for the Boston Bruins. Yeah. Now, before we jump into the preview, the other big news was Jason Robertson. What'd you make of the four year times 7.75 million deal? You know what? Uh, the, the stars are probably pretty happy with that. And I, th- I think they're thrilled. Yeah. They have to a, be thrilled. That's a fair compromise, right? Like, you know, Jason Robertson had the, you know, the big breakout season, of course. And, you know, we just talked about Barzell, like doing it once is awesome. Now you got to do it a few more times and we'll see. And so a four-year deal doesn't, like in four years, Frank, he's still going to be in prime time. He could easily land an eight million, or sorry, an eight-year contract upwards of nine, $10 million by then. So he, he's never going to be going without anything uh, for the rest of his life, just based on this contract alone. But, you know, I really think the stars and Robertson, like you look at the salary cap and it, the fact that, their owner probably isn't loving that he's paying the most to any player in the National Hockey League this year in Tyler Sagan in actual ca- in actual dollars. So, you know what? Uh, well, we know he's not loving it. He <laughs> People say he's, like, quite legitimately grumbling about it every chance he gets. Yeah. Wow. Hey, buddy, you signed the contract. Don't complain about it. Like, that's what I always – no one forced him to sign the contract. He agreed to it as the owner, so live with it. So, but Robertson, I, I like the deal for Dallas, not only because it perfectly fits in their cap window this year with what limited resources they had left to get to that number. Uh, but on top of that, he's already market value wise, 79 points. He's already hitting, he already hit it. All he has to do is maintain what he's already done and it's market value. If he exceeds that, which the stars are clearly hoping he does and, and takes the jump to the next level gets to 95, 100 points. If that's possible for him, you know, you're winning every day of the week. Yeah. And I honestly, I think that the Robertson camp looked and said, we want to avoid, and, and this isn't meant as a shot at all, but you know, Nathan McKinnon signed a really long-term deal. Granted, he'd only been a 50-point player when he signed it. So it's a little bit different. But, you know, he, he didn't like it. And I appreciated Nathan's honesty when he says, hey, man, you don't want to be known as the best value contract in the NHL. So, you know, Robertson likely isn't going to, to be in that category. And if he is, it's, it's going to be for a shorter term. Well, guess what? Robertson and McKinnon have the same agent. So there you go. Yeah, it makes, uh, it makes a lot of sense. Let's uh, welcome in the newest member of the uh, Calgary Flames, Jonathan Huberto. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Our next guest led the National Hockey League last year with 85 assists and racked up a career-best 115 points with the Florida Panthers before he was traded this summer to the Calgary Flames. And you could probably just call him Jonathan Huberdo, as in D-O-U-G-H, because he signed an eight-year, $84 million contract with the Flames to remain there for the long haul. The DFO Rundown is pleased to welcome Jonathan Huberdo to the program. Jonathan, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you guys? We're really good. Uh, some big news for the Calgary Flames on this day. Your Panthers teammate that came over in the trade, Mackenzie Weger, also locked up for eight years. Give me your reaction to have him with you for the next nine seasons. Yeah, it's great news. I mean, uh, obviously, you know, we got traded together and uh, was, we're really good friends in Florida. And uh, obviously when I got traded, it was, it was a shock. But when he, he was in the trade, you know, I was kind of happy to to leave with him. And now that, you know, I signed eight years, he signed eight years. So it's going to be fun to, to be together for, for a long run. Just give me your reaction as you've gotten a chance to get your feet wet, not just in Calgary, the city, but with your teammates through, you know, the first 10 days or so of camp, do you feel comfortable? And what's that process like uh, entering basically an entirely new environment? You were just used to being in Florida for so long. Yeah, it is different. I mean, obviously when I came here and going to through training camp and, you know, obviously I was comfortable in Florida and kind of knew what to expect. And obviously it was different for me, but I think, uh, you know, I, I needed that. And the, my teammate has been great, great to me. And, you know, the, the guys here are, are awesome. So it was easy to get uh, adapt to. And uh, even the city, I think, I mean, obviously it's going to be a little, a little colder over here, but uh, it's, uh, you know, it's sunny every day and it's fun to wake up to the sunshine. Too. Jonathan, you come off as Frank alluded to that career year for you and, um, you know, the Flames had a very good season as well. Uh, you know, like the Panthers didn't get as far as you would have liked. But when you change teams like that, how like how easy is it for you to get chemistry with new linemen? Yeah, I mean, obviously it's, uh, you know, it's it's not easy. I would say, I mean, it's a you know, process. Obviously, you know, you're not used to to play with these guys. And I think, uh, you know, it took, it's nice to have a, longer training camp and kind of get to know the guys and you know I've been playing with uh, Lynn Holm and Toffoli and I think you know didn't have you know quite the chemistry we want to have but I think we have one more game left and you know we got to play well to, to stay together and I think he's just going to come obviously they're two great shooters so just got to build that chemistry and it's going to be fine for the first game. You mentioned they're shooters right <clears throat> Lynn Holm of course coming off a career high in goals and you know, you're kind of unique as a, as a distributing uh, winger. You're, you're obviously an elite passer. When you talk about building chemistry for you, Jonathan, what is it you're looking for specifically in the offensive zone? Is it just reading where Elias likes to go or, or, or to Foley? Or what are some of the specific things that you feel that you want to tighten up when it comes to the chemistry between the three of you? Yeah, like you said, I think it's to know where 
where they like to go in the offensive zone and, you know, even breaking out stuff. I think it's just these adjustments you got you to gotta find. And I think you know where the other guy's going to go and kind of, you know, I like to, to think ahead. So I got to think where they're going to go before I get my first pass. So I think these kind of things help me a lot. And I think we're just, you know, obviously we're getting used to it and in practice and stuff. But I think games are, are where you're going to get the, that chemistry. And I think it's, it's been better. And I think it's just going to get better from now on. You've always been a really productive player in the NHL. Your previous career high to last year was 92 points. And then you kind of burst through that next level, that next ceiling to get to 115 last year. What do you think was the reason for that? I mean, confidence. I think uh, I know what I can bring to to a team. And I don't know, I just like, I felt good. Uh, you know, I, I felt stronger a little bit. I had a good summer. And uh, yeah, just, I think I feel everything was working and, you know, when you got that confidence, I think all the, the plays and all the, you got that swag, I think it helps you. And I think, yeah, I know what I can do. I'm not the fastest guy out there, but I think I can, you know, find the guys and, you know, obviously I got a good vision. So that helps me a lot. When you were traded, you, you alluded to the idea of some shock at the beginning and, you know, how could you not be surprised? But uh, I want to go to the meeting you had with with Brad Tree Living. He flies to Montreal. Uh, the owner gives him the private jet to head out there just to get to know you. Um, how much do you think that helped you in terms of, you know, going through the process? Is this a place that I want to be for the long term? And what was that meeting like? Yeah, it was great. I mean, for him to to leave you know, from Calgary, come to see me in Montreal. And I mean, obviously we wanted to get an extension done. And I think, you know, we not, we needed to meet before we, we did that. I mean, they're going to sign a guy eight years and you haven't met. So I think that was, the, you know, just to get to know each other. I mean, we didn't really, we didn't talk contract once in, in that dinner. And I think it was just to get to know, get to know what he was thinking about the team and the, the future of the team and stuff like that. And felt comfortable. He wants to win right now. And that's what I want to do. So I think yeah, that helped in the process. Was there one specific thing in that meeting Jonathan, that really said, okay, I want to commit here. It's about, I mean, I like their team. I mean, obviously when I got traded, I looked more into it and it's a big, it's a tough team to play against. And, you know, now that I'm with that team, I think it's, it's nice. I mean, it's a different, like, you know, Florida, really offensive team. I think you're more, you know, we're, we're, we're really good defensively. So I think it's going to be a different game, obviously, but it's, uh, it's, uh, I think, you know, I'm getting traded and you're not going through a rebuild. You know, we want to win right now in Calgary. And that's what I liked about it. I mean, I wasn't going into a rebuild. I wanted to win right now. And I think I'm in my prime in my career. And that's where I can help uh, the best. What was the best advice Tyler Toffoli and Milan Lucic gave you as far as uh, dealing with uh, your new head coach, Daryl Sutter? <laughs> I just got to, you know, work hard every day. I think that that's what he demands. And he wants you to work and play hard every shift and that's all you got to do. I mean, Daryl is a great coach and, um, you know, it's fun to play. He cares about the game. He's a great system guy. So I think uh, I'm excited for the season. What's it like getting injected into one of the best rivalries in the NHL with all due respect to the, the lightning. That was really more of a recent thing between the Panthers and lightning, even though you guys have been in the same state, but to jump into the battle of Alberta, what's your excitement level? Yeah, it's going to be fun. I mean, the, you know, the guys been talking about it and it's, uh, you can tell the fans are excited when you play against them and it's going to be, you know, the atmosphere is going to be great. 
and just to be, you know, part of it. And, and obviously I'm going to start hating more to the, the Oilers and it's going to be, it's going to be some fun matchups. What are you most looking forward to this year? Just to, I mean, obviously get a, get a Top great answer in these questions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> obviously no it's been uh it's just you yeah i think right now i just want to get you know things going i mean this summer we talked so much about the trade and stuff and now it's kind of a new chapter and kind of get going and obviously you gotta we need a good start i think as a team and obviously we have learning new guys in the team and it's uh it's gonna be a fun year i feel and get a great regular season and after think about playoffs one of the things when there's a trade, Jonathan, that I think sometimes, you know, media fans, you overlook just the human element, you know, to to understand, okay, now I'm going somewhere, it's it's going to be different. You go from driving a convertible, now you got the big Dodge Ram pickup truck. So just in that sense, it's it's different, the climate. How, like, what do you need to do to feel comfortable off the ice that allows you to feel more confident on the ice? Yeah, just find your your home. I mean, for me, it's to, to feel comfortable here. You know, li- living here and find a, you know, kind of just just find a house I'm gonna live in and you know stuff like that. I mean, like in Florida, like I said, I think it's when you play ten years somewhere, you get comfortable and you know you're used to, to playing there. And it's just to do the same thing here. It's like I said, a new chapter in my life, and I just want to get comfortable, obviously, off the ice, and it's gonna help me to be comfortable on the ice. Do you feel comfortable in a cowboy hat? Do you feel you can pull off a cowboy hat look? Yeah, I went to the steam, uh, Stampede uh, one time, so I, I'm pretty sure I can, can rock a cowboy hat, but uh, we'll see. Maybe for the first game, I, I could do it. So Some tight Wranglers? Because I know, hey, like, lots of Euros like to wear the tight jeans, but tight Wranglers in Calgary, man. Like, if you want to fit in with the Flame fans, that's the easiest way to do it. <laughs> I know, maybe some cowboy boots, too. I mean, we'll see. We'll see how it's going to gonna end up but yeah it's been uh it's been a great city i mean people here are respectful and it's it's nice to see that and they're passionate so it's cool let's play a little rapid fire jay all right jonathan uh the only rule is you have to answer the question so the best part of returning to play hockey in canada i mean the I would say the fans. I mean, it's you can just tell it's the excitement in the in the city, and they're excited to get going every year. The one thing you will miss most off of the ice in Florida, the beach. <laughs> Obviously, Fair enough. Um, how, so, are you a pretty good tan guy then, or are you suddenly going to be white? And uh, would you ever use a spray-on tan? No, I was uh, even in Florida. I was kind of white. Didn't really go outside as much as i would i feel when you live there you kind of stay inside as as well unless you get visitors so which player on the lightning did you have the biggest rivalry with individually um that's a good question i mean probably when he was there yanni gord i I mean he's french but we we always kind of get to each other in the summer we kind of talked about it i mean off the ice i don't care but on the ice i, I don't like him all right so now when you and him are getting into it are you guys yelling at each other in french uh we i think we mixed i mean probably in french yeah i would say in french most of the time if you ever want to chirp a guy do you like to chirp him in <laughs> french knowing he won't understand you <laughs> no no i try to go english and he probably still doesn't understand me when i speak english <laughs> <laughs> What was your favorite sport uh, growing up that wasn't hockey? 
Um, probably, I'd say uh, tennis. Tennis. All right. So, who's yeah. your who was your favorite tennis player growing up? Who'd you watch? Uh, it's Roger Federer, obviously, That's my favorite one. I like how he like nothing bothered him on on the court, and I like that. I'll say I'll miss him. Just retired, so it's gonna be sad. So now you have to pick one. If you're in the rodeo and you can do bull riding, saddle bronc, or bareback horse riding, which one are you doing? Bull riding, probably. Ooh, yeah. I like it. Uh, I tell you, man, uh, hopefully you got good wrist strength because uh, it is very challenging <laughs> uh, for sure. What is, um, uh, do you, can you downhill ski? Yeah, I can, yeah. I haven't done it in a while, though. No? And, uh, if you got stranded in the mountains in Canmore, who would be the best teammate to camp with? Uh, probably Zadorov. I mean, this guy would, at least he would talk. He doesn't stop talking. So probably this guy <laughs> would give you some nice stories. Can you start a fire with two sticks? No. No. And did you ever ask Alan Walsh to possibly make a drawing for you? <laughs> no, I mean, Alan can do it all, though. He does everything. <laughs> He's a good friend of our show. I love his passion, uh, without question. Well, Jonathan, uh, welcome to, uh, to Alberta. Best of luck. And, and one last one. Is there a significant difference that you felt playing a league for a decade between the East and the West. Do you think it's going to be a, a different style that you play now? Um, I, I mean, it's hard. I haven't really tried, but it, I think back in the day, like they say, like West was like more physical, stuff, but I think now like it's so fast that I think it's, it's pretty similar, but I'll tell you more uh, halfway through the season. All right. Okay. I look forward to that. Thanks for joining us. Thanks Thank a lot, you, Jonathan. Have a great year. Thanks. Jonathan Huberdo, uh, adjusting to a life in Alberta. There's some people love the trucks. So, uh, Hey, you got the, uh, you got the truck and, uh, now we'll, we'll see like, where do you have the flames, Frank? Like, are, are they the same? Are they better? Where do you see them? I think they're going to be pretty similar, but I think they're better suited for playoff success. I think their defense core is that much stronger. I think there's a big question mark heading into the season, about Oliver Shillington and whatever personal issue he's going through, it hurts to miss him. But when he's back at some point, which I guess we expect him to be, you go through that group and there's no superstar in the group, unless you include Mackenzie Weger in that category. And some would say he's one of the most underrated players in the league, but you go top to bottom. That's, that's a pretty darn good and balanced top six. And I just, I just think when you, you factor in Uberdo as well, they definitely did. They're not worse off. I can tell you that, but it, it's, I don't know that we talk as much or, or as much as needed about Nazem Kadri and the impact he could have there. Um, another statistical outlier season, 87 points in 71 games. I don't think that anyone's necessarily expecting him to, to get back to that exact same level, but somewhere in between that level and where he's consistently produced and the flames are going to be fine. Oh yeah. I don't, uh, I think them and they will battle them and Edmonton. 
uh, will battle for the uh, division title, I think. You you mentioned uh, Shillington as personal. Even with him gone, Frank, you know, they, they slot in Yusuf Valimaki on their on their third pair. With Valimaki had a really tough camp. They were not happy with his camp. Or I think. Connor Mackey, right? Connor Mackey. Mackey's uh, the guy they really liked. They yeah. they thought that he had a good camp. And, and Valimaki, man, what a shame for him. He goes out with that ACL injury. He's still only 24. Uh, but he really, really struggled in camp, and they're not sure what, what's going to happen there. He could be, by the time Monday rolls around, he could be on the waiver wire. And, you know, you I like that you mentioned the ACL, Frank, because guys come back from ACLs, and they're healthy, but they're not ready. You know what I mean? I've talked to lots of players that, you know, established veterans, even – Oh, six months after they returned, that's when they finally started to feel better. Most people will say it's a full calendar year before you're really back to, you know, having the confidence. And so like this Valimaki, is we're approaching too. like at some yeah. point he is what he is. Like he that's missed fair. the entire 1920 season, not 2021. Yeah. He's come back and played 58 NHL games. Not only is he not as strong, it's also, I think, messes with your confidence. 100%. You're never the same player because you can never, you know, you know that you can't get to that same place that you were at. And that's tough. I feel for him because that guy was, he was top three, top four all day of the week when he first started. Oh, yes. Unbelievable junior player. Great skater. But, you know, you're just, maybe your body's not the same sometimes coming off major surgeries. Like we, we take it for granted now because we have such great uh, advanced technology in the medicine world that so some guys let me ask you this the same they're not the same after a major surgery if 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 Valimaki hits waivers and you're a team towards the bottom of the standings do you take a shot just to see if you can potentially draw the best out of him again or do you think after two full seasons now plus a training camp that he just kind of is what he is like when I look at teams, Frank, that I think maybe are are probably like destined to, to not be there, but can can afford to be patient, right? And and have some growing pains and say, hey, we can bring this guy back and let him learn. Like if you're the Buffalo Sabres, would you consider it? Right? What, um, yeah, what about ours? Like at the very least, if you do find a way to get him back to even close to the level he was at, you have a flippable asset, right? Yes. Yeah. No, I at his age. I think there'd be a lot of willingness to want to take the risk. Like what's the worst thing you keep them around for, for a month and, and you see firsthand and, you know, sometimes maybe it's a change of scenery, who knows. Right. And they just tell them, Hey man, we don't, we're going to live with your growing pains. We want you to get back. Cause we think you're a really good player. Whereas in Calgary, you're a team that's competing, looking to say, Hey, we got to win the division. We want home ice advantage. They probably maybe don't have the same patience level as a team that while they won't publicly say they're not making the playoffs, realistically, they're not making the playoffs. Right. right? So I think that's totally fair. So, but the flames, you mentioned their defense is good. Markstrom, they had the third best goals against average in the NHL last year. Like I, I, the one area I do have a little concern if I'm Calgary, that's 80 goals they lost between Kachuk and Gaudreau. And we talked before Jonathan about scoring goals and Huberto's, you know, a 30 goal guy. But where uh, Nadran Kadri maybe a thirty goal guy, so that that's still even if you know they're still twenty goals short, right? And I think that's a significant. Where where are they going to get those extra goals from? To me, that might be the the one question mark. Where I mean, to me, where are they going to get it from? It's Tyler Toffoli. 
Like I, I thought his goal production was really rather underwhelming last year after a really hot start first few games after the trade. Like he should give you way more than he gave you last year. That's a guy I'd be looking towards. That's fair. But again, keep in mind that Lindholm and Mangiapane, who each set career highs last year, have to maintain that too, right? Like Calgary, they're off. I, I would think great. Dylan Dubé is going to take another step forward okay. in, in goal scoring. He's at 18. Can he get to 25? Like you, you look at modest increases of seven here, 10 there that I think add up. And I'm not worried about that. I think that was the most underrated part of Calgary's season last year was because of what they were asked to do defensively, they didn't end up losing or sacrificing anything offensively. That's fair. The one thing, though, their defense, six guys, 73 games played. That's not happening again, right? Shillington's already down. So that that in itself, injuries, injuries are the one wild card in any projection of any team. And historically, like I said, I told you the number, it's three and a half defensemen per team will play 70 games. They were at six at 73. It's crazy. So I'm glad you said that. And I wanted to just two seconds, give a, a little shout out to Milan Lucic because everyone's going to rag on him about his contract and the lack of production, even though Calgary was pretty happy with what they've gotten out of him since the trade. And, and he's still playing. James Neal uh, was one of those guys this week that was, uh, PTO didn't didn't earn a contract. I was looking at Milan Lucic for a guy that's had back issues. It's insane how he dude he's approaching this. He's going to hit 1100 games in the first week of the season. He doesn't miss hockey. Games. He doesn't. He has missed 27 games total over the last 12 seasons. That's a little more than two per year, and most of them came in one year. Yeah, and he's not a perimeter player. That's my point is that he plays tough and he re- he's very reliable. That's hard to do. And look, he may not be playing up to the level of the contract that he signed with the Oilers way back in 2016. This is the last year of his deal. I think there's something to be said for that. I would agree. Like Milan Lucic helps your team. He doesn't help your salary cap. There's it's two different things, right? So he's not giving you the value on, on, on his cap it, but he plays his role for a guy, Frank, he's one of those players that has was a top six player for many years early in his career. Now he's in the, now he's down in the bottom six player, but he doesn't like, he can handle that. Like he, some would argue like he's, he's fine to play a bottom six role because he plays physical. Right, like you know, foot speed and everything else. But you watch next year, Milan Lucic will get signed at a cap hit relative to his production at his age, and people be like, "Wow, that's a really good contract." Right? It, it changes uh, very quickly in that regard because you're right. The best ability is dependability, and he's always playing. And as we transition to the Oilers, my spicy take on Milan Lucic is that contract actually the Oilers should do it over again from the very start. And the reason for that is they signed him at the exact moment that it, he was the first guy to show any sort of confidence in what they were building and to show that Edmonton could be a destination in this, in this uh, as they were rebuilding and getting back to where they needed to get to. Yeah. Well, Andre it, Sekera- it, it took it, it took an overpay though to get someone there. Yeah. Well, Andre Sekera was the highlight was the most highly regarded free agent D man the year earlier. And he signed, right? Okay, but, but this was the first real this in the McDavid era. This was really the first free agent that was like, "Hey, I want to go play with Connor McDavid." Yeah, yeah, smart. That's decision. that's important. And for a team that for the longest time had trouble attracting free agents, now people 
McDavid's drawn everyone there. McDavid and Dreisaitl. 100%. It's the place to be. I've argued that for years. If you have a successful organization, players will want to come there. Like there's some that will will opt for lifestyle and everything like that, and I get it. But uh, the vast majority of them are like, they're only there half the time anyway, right? It's, it's only super cold really in the month of January. So um, speaking of the orders, uh, them and the Flames, I see it as, as a battle uh, head-to-head in the, in the regular season. Um, I look at Edmonton. They didn't really make a significant amount of changes other than, of course, Jack Campbell. But uh, Duncan Keith is out. Brett Kulak will move up and to start in the uh, second pair on the on their left defense. You know, they've got Kane all year. You've got Hyman, uh, Drysaddle, McDavid. Um, Dylan Holloway is probably up front going to be their, their biggest addition, Frank. Second and, line right wing. Uh, left. Well, he'll play left wing um, with Hyman and Drysaddle. And he... Um, I, I look at comparables to Dylan Holloway. I think realistic numbers, Frank, I looked it up. Anton Lundell, Seth Jarvis, Dawson Mercer. All drafted, same draft class, all within six picks. Um, and Mercer and, and Lundell are late birthdays. All totally different players. Yeah, like, but here's the thing, Frank. Between the, like, last year, Lundell, 18, and 18 goals, 44 points. Jarvis, 17 goals, 40 points. Mercer, 17 goals, 42 points. So you do the average, that's 17 goals and 42 points for Dylan Holloway. None of of those guys are really lighting it up on the power play, which he's not going to in Edmonton. And then you throw in that Yesel Pogliarvi and Kyler Yamamoto, between the two of them, averaged 17 goals and 39 points. I think Dylan Holloway, 17 goals and 42 points is a very attainable mark. And uh, considering there is only five players on average per team, amongst forwards who scored 17 goals in the league last year. He fits right in. That's a, he'll be a productive top nine player for sure for Edmonton. So without doing all that research, just eyeballing it, my thought process was his target should be 20 goals. And part of that is he's also one year older than all of those players when yeah. he's breaking in. Yeah, so I don't see why that wouldn't be attainable, especially with the talent that he's going to be playing with. And I think, what is also going to help is the foot speed that he brings. He can skate. And I think the Oilers, as you got to the playoffs last year, you really noticed that they needed it. The one thing, Frank, in watching preseason, and I, I don't get overhyped about the goal totals because, of course, he's not scoring four goals in every five regular season games. That's not happening. If he scores one every four to five, he's on goal between 17 to 20 goals. Dylan Holloway in the offensive zone, has the the offensive acumen to read the play. Sometimes he'll drive to the net with his speed. That creates an open lane. It worked on a goal for Tyson Berry. Other times he gives and goes with dry settle below the goal line and he reads the open play. He'll go to the net. I'm bang on with you. His hockey sense right now in the offensive zone is better than Yesapoliarvi. It'll make him more of a finisher and he can shoot the puck better. Well, it doesn't really say a whole lot because I don't know that we look at Yesapoliarvi's game and say that he's a highly intelligent player. Well, there, there's a guy, Frank, I'm, I'm very interested to watch because there's a battle in Edmonton right now to be in the top nine, something that hasn't happened in 30 years. They used to have to gift guys spots in the top six, for goodness sakes. Now there's an actual overload of uh, 10 forwards who are going to have to fit into nine spots. And one of Pugliarvi, Fogel, maybe Ryan McLeod, um, if everybody's healthy, one of them is going to have to play in the fourth line. And based on preseason alone, it would have to be Pugliarvi. Might be that guy. He has not had a good. It game. should be. It's. It, it, I. I. When you, I think that third line is going to be critically important to their success. 
And I think McLeod's going to be the guy there. I think Fogel, they've got chemistry. Like, why not? Like, keep that group together. And if it means slotting Pugliarvi on the fourth line, then that's what it means. What's your expectations for Jack Campbell? Uh, before I say that, I wanted to, I, as I was going through a lot of analytics data, um, this project, the archetype rankings are powered by Stathletes, and I've seen a lot of the analytics numbers that aren't publicly available. Ryan McLeod's numbers are really good in a lot of underlying areas, especially as it relates to puck recoveries. So I wonder if he might be in store for a little bit of a bigger year. Well, he got much better in the second half. And the other advantage McLeod has, the coach knows his game very well from the from the American League, right? He was there. He watched him mature and grow. And I, I think the coach kind of knows how to get the most out of him. And the player feels ultra confident with him, which is a which is a huge bonus. But you know, he'll be he'll be one of their lead penalty killers uh this season. And uh, you talked about Fogel. I think they Warren Fogel talked about how when he was in Carolina, he was on the penalty kill. And their line, they had it, you know, they were expected not to produce a ton of offense, but just to be a hard line to play against and, and be able to handle some tougher minutes. And uh, it sounded like Jay Woodcroft's going to challenge him and McLeod to, to get that role and see how they do with it to start the season. Love it. Can't wait to see it. So now Jack Campbell. Which Jack Campbell are you getting? That's really the question. Um you look at his season last year, and it was so polarizing. First 20 games, 942 save percentage. Next 25 games, 886 save percentage. And then he got his game together somehow, screwed his head on straight, and maybe got his body right, and finished off the regular season with the last four at 943, and then you know, had a couple blips in the playoffs, but certain games he was really good. Like the first game to open the series against Tampa had a shutout. Um, what's Jack Campbell are you getting? That's the question. And I just have concerns about consistency. If he can answer those, he has the talent. I just don't know that I would have made the five-year bet to find out. Then I realize I say that when I say that, that was required in order to acquire him. Yeah, C Campbell's an interesting one, but so is Stuart Skinner because – I agree with you on count. I think the, the golden number for Campbell is about 50 starts or 50 games. So that means you need 32 from Stuart Skinner, right? He, he has a career played 13 games. So um, Skinner has, has looked better for sure. I, he feels more mature. I think he knows that he's an NHL guy to start the season. They've already put uh, Calvin Pickard on waivers. So everybody knows who the two goalies are. We've known that basically since the summer. And if Skinner plays well, Frank, then you don't have to overplay Campbell. And if he does have that blip, then maybe Skinner can run two or three games in a row. So as much as Campbell's important to Edmonton, I think their backup is too, because Jack Campbell shouldn't be playing 60 games. They're going to need better quality play from their backup. I think you can count on one hand the number of play, the number of goalies in this league that should be playing more than 60. Fair? Very few. Very few. Yeah, even more than 55, honestly. Mm -hmm. So that's where I come out. So where do you have the orders finishing? I have the Oilers finishing second. Behind Calgary? Nope. Ooh. Behind our next team, the Los Angeles Kings. The Kings are winning the division. All right. Uh, the this was, my, this was one of my bold predictions. And look, it's bold. And by the way, Oilers fans were barking saying, oh, like you didn't make any predictions about our team. I did you a favor. I did you a favor based on my recent track record. And they're bold. Like, what bold position are we going to say? Hey, Connor McDavid's going to lead the league in scoring? That's not bold. Or, or, to, or to say the Oilers win the division? That's not bold either. 
on paper, they probably should. Yeah. The LA Kings, man, they got 85 point guy, Kevin Fiala. That's obviously a huge off season addition for them. And, you know, really, I think there's going to be some internal growth. They're hoping young guys Byfield and Kaliev continue uh, to develop. But the big question in LA is, can they stay, if they can get healthy on the blue line, right? Like Drew Doughty only played half the season last year. They were decimated by injuries and they still finished with 99 points. Um, And then, but honestly, for me, Frank, the big question is, What's Cal Peterson going to do? Because Jonathan Quick, man, he, he kept the Kings in it early when Peterson was was struggling. Mm-hmm. And then late in the year, I, I think kind of maybe his age showed from being played so much. But Cal Peterson's got to be way better because I, I don't know if you can expect Jonathan Quick to, to kind of carry you in the first half of the season again. Well, he's got to be way better also just to relieve any concerns about that contract. I mean, this is the first year of a three-year, $15 million deal. Like, you you can't have a guy making $5 million bucks earn it, uh with a save percentage under 900. I'm sorry. Um, but let me give you my thought process and reasoning into why I think the Kings can win the division. Okay. When you look at how the playoffs went, seven game series they so they took the oilers to game seven and part of you know and i when i say this i realized part of it was the oilers and their lack of maturity for a couple games with slow starts um but they did still get to game seven they did not have drew dowdy they did not have victor arvidson and now they've added fiala you put those pieces back in for a full year and you see some, not, I'm not even banking on a huge step forward, but you see, you know, a modicum of growth from their young guys. And I think this team is, is really, really good. Like Dano, Kopitar, like their top six is talented. It's really difficult to play against. And if you've got Quentin Byfield as your three C that just, you know, if he can take a step forward, not just in production, but every other facet of his game, confidence, get him to, you know, 20 goals. You know, you're in a, in a spot where you're, you can make things really interesting. Byfield is my one player to watch this season, Frank. Um, lots of bigger body guys take a little bit more time to develop. He's a huge man. And he's in such a great position because with Dano and Kopitar, they don't ever even have to force feed him tough minutes if they don't want to. Now, obviously on the road, sometimes you get a little bit, but Todd McClellan, you're like, here, young kid, we'll, we'll give you lots of offensive zone starts. You know what? Uh, you know, you're not going to have to play against the other team's elite guys very often. I really think there's potential for Quinton Byfield. And you, you, you mentioned the key word confidence. That guy gained some confidence because he's, he's bigger. He's stronger now. And so many players that that strength and maturity from 20 to 21 at that age is such a big difference for a lot of guys. Like he's, He's the one guy I think over the next few years that could really burst out. I was raving about Byfield the other day, and I had an assistant GM say to me, "Yeah, but Byfield could just be Nick Bugue's dad." And I was like, "Ouch!" Uh, but I don't. Who knows? Like the yeah. world right now is his oyster. Like he can be anything he wants to be. Yeah, and like, hey, Adrian Kempe, he Dude, might be the goal, goal yeah. scorer that no one talks about in the league. It's a good player. 
Really good player. Like 30, he might have the quietest 35 goal season in the league. Like he could push for 40 this year, right? Because, you know, Kevin Fiala in that top six is he's another distributor, right? And he can shoot the puck, sure, but I think he's maybe a little bit more comfortable. Like he's got he can do both, but he's probably a better passer than he is shooter. And man, Kempe can fly. I was really impressed by him in a few games in the postseason. So he's another guy I watch for for all you poolies. Do not sleep on Adrian Kempe. Yeah, agreed. And I just I like everything about the Kings. Uh uh, their defense core, like they're really well situated on the right side. Like one of these guys is going to have to be playing some on the left or else he's not going to see much time. They've got Dowdy, Matt Roy, Sean Walker, and Sean Dersey. Dersey was a bit of a revelation last year. Walker's coming off of that injured season where he only played six games. Can Walker bounce back to the level he was at? You know, Matt Roy, really underrated defenseman. Like, he defends really, really well. I I'm, I like where the Kings are heading. And you didn't even mention, like, like uh, Michael or Mickey Anderson, man. Mikey Anderson, he is a, he's another guy that was banged up for them. And what it means, Frank, is they're probably uh, Bjornfoot and Spence. One of those guys is likely going to have to start the season in the minors, strictly because they're young guys in their ECL and they want them playing. Those are two really, like, they got some good experience. The, the one benefit of having so many injuries sometimes is guys get more experience, and those two did. And that, if they, they would have never known about Sean Dersey, they would yeah. have never found out. They got a lot of depth in LA and young depth. And they're, got, they got more coming. That's the scariest part. Yeah. Brant Clark, like, I mean, these guys are all on the way. I have the Kings third only because I question their goaltending. Okay. Fair. Totally yeah. fair. But I, but I, I think you Frank, could, you could make the same question. You could ask the same question about the Oilers and, and Jack Campbell. Yeah. I'll say that. I think all three teams though can have a hundred points. So third place is not like a bad team. I think you're going to have 300 point teams in the Pacific and it'll be those three, but I had to go bold. So yeah. I said Kings. All right. Now we'll go to uh, Vegas. Now they didn't make the playoffs, uh, but uh, the Vegas golden Knights, uh, another off season, Frank of uh, unloading a player for nothing in uh, in Max Pacioretty. Now, unfortunately for Carolina. Should be a fireball offense. I'm, uh, t- I'm sorry. Injured. But um, what do you make of Jack Eichel, um, the, the whole, you know, new coach in, in Vegas? Where 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 are you at with Vegas? I, I look at this team and I see talent, but I see a lot of holes. And maybe that's me disrespecting some of their players further down the lineup that um, have found homes in this league. But uh, their goaltending is is suspect. And one of the big, bold predictions that I've seen a lot of people have this week is, oh, Logan Thompson will be fine. And that may be the case. Like, I think Thompson certainly has some promise. And you look at the quarter season that he put together last year for the Golden Knights, really bailing them out a lot of times with that 914 save percentage. He, he was fine, but now he's got to do it and carry the ball for a while. And I, I, I just don't know. We No one knows. And I, I like they have top end talent, but because of their salary cap situation, I think they get thin in a hurry. And I just think they're improperly balanced. And I don't know where that what that leads to. Yeah, I Vegas is. I, it's tough to get a read on them. I they're just. I, I wonder. Like there just seems to be a like a, a cloud of uncertainty around that organization. You know, like lots of guys are just getting kicked to the curb, literally for nothing. Right to, to get rid of salaries over you know guys are getting traded, I, I I think there's a lot of pressure on people in, in Vegas and in, in management potentially this year, and I just I'm curious now if they get off to a good start, 
maybe it doesn't matter. But um, Logan Thompson, you're right. Like, he needs to play well. Aiden Hill, he's a massive question mark. A, can he stay healthy? And for how long can, can he stay healthy? Because if if you don't have goaltending consistently in the NHL, Frank, it's it's hard to do it. I know I'm reading the same things you are. I've talked to goalie people. They're like, hey, you know what? I like a lot about Logan Thompson. And, I, and I, that all makes sense. But we've seen tons of goalies who can have a good 25 games. And then all of a sudden, now you're the guy. Other teams are scouting you. They know going in who's going to be the starting goaltender. They have a different game plan for you. And it's different knowing the pressure of goaltending. It seems to be more between the ears than it is talent sometimes, Frank. And can he handle being the starter, right? Like Pete DeBoer was apoplectic about their goaltending last year. Yeah. Apoplectic. And now you haven't changed it. Leonard's now gone for the season and your team is more or less the exact same team with the addition of Phil Kessel, except you've subtracted Max Pacioretty. You're hoping that you're healthier and you still have Nick Haig unsigned. Yeah. So uh, they didn't make the playoffs. And a lot of people look at that and say, well, that's because they weren't healthy for most of the year, but there's no guarantee. They are going to be healthier. Mark stone. I, how many games is he going to play? And at what percentage of his normal, Skill set because it's a back injury that I think is degenerative, or I've been told is degenerative. That's never going to get better. That sucks. So how do you count? How do you rely on that? Yeah. Well, they're like Jack Eichel is going to have to to kind of lead them, I believe, offensively. And then what do you make of the Bruce Cassidy hire? Um, Is Jack? I I have have an honest question, and I'm not trying to poke the bear in Vegas when I ask this. Is Jack Eichel overrated? Um, we think well, of Jack Eichel as a sniper. His career high in goals is 36. Yeah. 24, I, I, 24, 25, 28, 36. Career high in points, 82. 78 is another year. Two seasons above point per game. He's been making 10 sheets a year since 2018. Yeah. Well, it, it, He's, you could argue that he hasn't been as productive of what his salary is, right? Now, injuries the last years to play a part of it because, you know, he was just starting to come into it, right? What do you have, 82 and 78, and then he had 78 and 68. So his points per game was going up, and then he got injured, right? And he's only right. played, what, 55 games the last two seasons? So, you know, and scored, and he's just under a point per game in that time. So, yeah, I'm, I'm curious about Jack Eichel. Can he get back to being uh, a 78 uh, point guy in 68 game threshold. If he does that, um, then then he's close to being worth, a, you know, then he's about a 90 point, 90 plus point player if he plays the full season. And then he's then he's right kind of around what you're paying him. But he needs to do it. And the thing with Eichel, I like how you brought up the goal total. Jack Eichel, he scores some unreal highlight real goals, Frank, but he's not doing it often enough to be considered a sniper. I think that's fair. He's got the ability, but we don't see it often enough. But we think of him as a sniper. I think think the general view of Jack Eichel is this guy's a sniper. Yeah. And I think it's because the, the, the snapshot and the release, when you see it on his goals, you're just like, yeah, this guy can really shoot the pill. Like, man, he's a great, like he can be a one shot scorer, which he has been, but he just doesn't like, he doesn't do it enough. But I think sometimes because when the, the highlights come up, Oh, there's Eichel kind of a similar goal. Well, he's not doing it often enough, and he's probably got it. He needs to add in a few more. Like Alex Ovechkin's the greatest goal scorer, 
How many times did he score rebounds right around the crease? You got to do a little bit more of both, right? Even Austin Matthews last year. Austin Matthews, did, Austin Matthews actually, the greatest stat I have, Frank, on Austin Matthews is he led the NHL in, in goals from the slot with 53 on 198. He was the most dangerous shooter. But even the most dangerous shooter, when you shoot from outside, the slot areas on the wings and up high, he only had seven goals on 150 shots. Mm-hmm. You've got to get in tight to score, and I think you need more of that for Michael. So still to be determined... But is this a spicy take if you say that the Buffalo Sabres won the trade? Mm, it's wow. too, again, it's too, too early. early. They got to make but, the playoffs at some point. You can't, well, you know, we like Alex Stuck. He's a good guy. Well, but, but, but the Golden Knights have as many playoff appearances with Jack Eichel yeah. as, as the Sabres did. Sure. That's fair. I, I just, like, Tuck gave that team a real shot in the arm last year. He changed Tage, Tage Thompson's life probably with that contract. Um, he was 38 points in 50 games and Krebs is still just getting going and they got a first round pick. Yeah, no, you're right. The, the long-term projection, they definitely could win, right? Like they've got two upside players right now and the pick we'll see what, what comes of it. I just, it's worth, it's worth asking the question. Like, is it a spicy take that the Sabres won the trade so far? We don't know, but it's I have possible. Vic- I have Vegas missing the playoffs. I have them finishing fifth in the Pacific. What about you? I have them missing as well. All right. Let's bring in, uh, we'll finish off with uh, Vancouver, San Jose, Anaheim, and uh, Seattle after uh, we bring in Tyler Remchuk for another edition of Buy or Sell. Yeah, it's been, a, it's been a while, you guys, and you're only uh, halfway through the division as well. Lots of storylines to get to with the Pacific. Uh, so let's. I'm going to grill you a little bit with some buy or sell questions. As always, buy or sell is delivered by our friends over at DoorDash. Promo code GAMEDAY25 gets you 25% off and no delivery fees on your first order. Let's start at the bottom. The Seattle Kraken finished last season with 60 points. I'm going to say they're the most improved team in the Western Conference just based on point improvement. Frank, you buying or selling? Hmm. I'm just trying to think what other teams would be in that category. Uh, there's not that many teams that have significant room for upward improvement. So I'm going to say I will buy that on technicality all right yeah yeah i gotta buy too um because how much worse could they possibly be i think they're gonna be like 15 points better actually well they i mean just based on pure goaltending alone they should be because their team save percentage was the worst in the last 30 years (laughs) it wasn't good and uh burakoski and borkstrand will help them get some more goals for sure so even if they improve by 10 points, I just look at the West, unless you think Chicago or Arizona are going to really improve, and I don't see how that's possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll go with Seattle. All right, uh, second one. We will get another Battle of Alberta in the playoffs this season. Jay, you buying or selling on that? Well, selfish. I have to buy. I'd be an idiot not to. Like, it was only took 30 years. God forbid if it's that much longer. Um, and in Frank's standings, he has Calgary Edmonton meeting in the first round. So, yeah, I'm buying all day, even though I don't have them in the first round. But uh, I'd love to see it again. I I, I, I want to see the when the rivals meet in the playoffs, it's better for anybody. I don't care what division. I watch those games more. Like, I'd love to see the Rangers and the Islanders in the playoffs, Pittsburgh and Philly, when they were at it, like I used to love watching those series. So yeah, I think it's better for the league when two rivals meet. 
by all day, just uh, they're two really good teams. Yeah. And even if it's not in the first round, they should both probably win in their rounds to get to the second round. So uh, I will buy. And I'll say this, Brad Shree living did some masterful work this summer, getting Huberto, Kadri and Uyghur, but his best work was getting those guys to ensure that the battle of Alberta has a chance to live on and it will live on in the regular season regardless. Yeah. Hockey fans. Oh, Brad Tree living a big thank but you. They, Frank, guess what? They play twice in the first two weeks, and then they play one game from October 30th to the end of the season. Brutal. Wow. They don't play in the new year either. You uh, know what the Battle year. of Alberta means to you? That means you donkeys are going to have to see me in April and May again. Yes, I look forward to that. All right, uh, last and year. Frank, we'll be, we'll be renting uh, road bikes and going for rides. Maybe we'll ride Calgary and Edmonton. Mm, yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> uh, three teams from the Pacific Division made it last year. I'm going to say four make it this year. Frank, you buying or selling? Selling three. I, I thought long and hard that this would be the year that maybe the Central would roll back to four or three, and I just I don't see it. I have, a, I have four in the Pacific this year, so I will buy. So you have Vancouver as your fourth as a spoiler to our next segment. <laughs> uh, okay, a couple I'm good at math. Hey, See, I'm good at math. Sharks. Yeah. yeah, don't rule out the Sharks. Uh, let's wrap this up with a bonus question from our friends over at Points Bet Canada. I have a couple of team over-unders I want to hit you guys with. These are two that I am uh, definitely playing this year in terms of my own bets. But Vegas, the line is set at 98 and a half. I'm going under. Jay? Well, I, I have the other three teams in the Pacific at uh, at 100. So I know that last year we had four uh, in both the the Eastern divisions having 100, but that's pretty rare. So, yeah, I would uh, I would go under all day for Vegas. I I, I think their goaltending is gonna gonna be a problem. I'm going under all day. I even if they're even if they are a playoff team, I I'd say the chances that they're well north of 98 are pretty slim. You know and, what's funny though, guys. The top 16 teams who made the playoffs last year, the lowest point total, 97. Wow. That is interesting. Uh, the second one I have is a team you're going to talk about in a second. The Anaheim Ducks, they have their over-under set at nine or at 80.5. And I just think, you know, maybe a bounce back from John Gibson. They got Klingberg. They picked up Strom. For them to be just four points better this year with the young pieces they have, or sorry, five points better, I actually think it's an okay spot to go with the over. Frank, over-under 80.5 for the Ducks. I'm going to sell. I, I I think when you say that, you're missing all the pieces that they tore off from their team at the That's trade fair. deadline. Yeah. Lindholm, Raquel. I, I know I like the Klingberg edition on a one-year try it and see if he sticks. And if not, you've got a great flippable asset. I think there's been a lot of smart things done by Pat Verbeek, but I don't think they're – honestly, the way he's done this, I don't think they're trying to be competitive this year. Fair enough. I look at the Ducks and, you know, John Gibson's had three years, man, where he's kind of been met. I think he is what he is. Just looking at, say, percentage alone. I know that's not the only stat you can look at. But when you have three years of it, it's fairly consistent. My concern with Anaheim is, is, is like, Trevor Zegers is getting popped a lot early in his career. Like, hard hits. And I, because if he, you know, and they got young guys who were banged up last year. I don't think they have as much depth. I think they, if they're healthy, they have better top end talent across the board than they had last year. But their young guys are, you know, maybe it's un, it's just unlucky. But 
Zegers, I really hope he keeps his head up more because he's been getting popped on hits like that. And that hit shouldn't, he should not get railroad like that in the neutral zone. There's no reason for, for that to happen. So um, I don't, Anaheim, I think they're going to be kind of similar. And so 80.5, I'm going to go under, but I think they might finish one or two points under. I think that's actually a really competitive line. Uh, it's a competitive line. I just look at what they're asking some of their young guys to do. And we'll talk about this more in our Anaheim preview, but Mason McTavish is going to be asked to do a lot this year. They have really three bona fide NHL defensemen and that's it. Yeah. All right. That's going to be a wrap on this week's edition of Virus Hell delivered by DoorDash. Now, is it just me or is that, is the doorbell even ringing? Like, is, am I not hearing it in production? Like, it looks like it's a, it's a lame ass uh, doorbell. I'll have to figure that out. And it was a Ding Friday. Dong. Where was Liam? Yeah, there you go. Get Liam in there. There we go. Nice. Nice. I like it. All right. Now let's continue on the Vancouver Canucks. Of course, um, I know Frank and I are going to have very differing uh, uh, viewpoints on this team, which, which doesn't surprise me either way. I, I think I could be right. I, I, I totally wouldn't be surprised if I'm wrong on Vancouver, their second half of the season. I looked at all sorts of numbers. They were like four fifth best in the NHL in goals against five on five, Frank, which is usually one of the clear numbers of a team that makes the playoffs. Their penalty kill was so atrocious early. It dug them a, a hole. They couldn't get out of I think they they have offense. Now, the question is, you know, Besser's already a little bit banged up. Now, they say he should be fine. You know, he might only miss two weeks, right? Mikheyev, one of their free agent signings. So, to me, though, it's is Elias Pettersson, is it time for him to stand up and have a, a complete full season where he is their go-to guy? And if he is... I think then they'll make the playoffs because uh, Thatcher Demko, I got all day for him. And if Vancouver mm-hmm. makes the playoffs, he's going to be in the running for the, uh, for the Vesna trophy. And so I actually have the Canucks making the playoffs as a wildcard team. And I have them finishing fourth. I, you know, I, I don't love their off season acquisitions. I don't, I don't think it really moves and changes their team a massive amount, but I do think that a full season of Bruce Boudreaux and, and I think they're, you know, they're, how do you know it's going to be a full season? No, I know. Well, I think it will be. I know you disagree, but I, I think it's, I think Bruce Boudreaux will will have the Canucks in the playoffs. It was just a, another. We talked about the reason for being bold, like to you know you're looking for something, and to take a kernel of truth, which was that Bruce Boudreaux and a, asked for and did not receive a contract extension, and the fact that he was not hired by either Jim Rutherford or Patrick Alvine. He wasn't their pick. That was made by Francesco Aquilini even before those guys got there. Um, I, I think if this team starts slow, which there have been indications in camp that that could certainly be a possibility. Uh, Pedersen had a pretty decent camp when it's all said and done. He need, You're right. If, if he is that guy that he was their rookie, the rookie season, well, then they're going to be just fine. Their stars need to be their stars. And if they're not, they're going to struggle. It's just the fact. And they demcoed a lot of teams last year in that December 5th stretch on once the coaching change was made. Can, can they, can they get more? Can they get more from their team? I just don't look at that team in this training camp, especially way further down the lineup and say that they're really getting a lot more right now from the rest of their group. And that's going to be, that could be problematic. And so my prediction was given those factors that I, I mentioned about Boudreau, given the idea that they could get off to a slow start, well, that could spell trouble. 
They they cannot sink their season by November again because I don't think they're good enough to get out of it. Oh, 100 percent. I would I would agree wholeheartedly on that one. Um, the one acquisition though that that I'm intrigued to see in the NHL, he can shoot the puck, Frank. Kuzmenko is a legit shooter. Now, does that what's does that a realistic translate? projection? Honestly, if he scores 20 goals, like that's a big addition to your offense. Well, especially for 950 grand on an entry level deal. Of course it is. It was for free. Yeah. I think, I think they're going to get, you know, I think they're going to get really good value per points for sure from uh, Kuzmenko. And the other one is, you know, is the Vasily pod Coles and he's, he's teased you a little bit, you know, can he take a step? He doesn't have to take three steps. Doesn't have to take a leap. Can he take a step this year offensively for the Canucks? I'm going to say Kuzmenko does not hit 20. Hmm. All right. He scored exactly 20 in 45 games last year in the KHL. Obviously 45. a huge change. That's pretty good. What's that? 45 games. Yeah, but a way step down in talent. Yeah. And um, new league, new surroundings, new everything, and a way longer year, a season of length he's never played. I don't know. It's hard. It's a really hard transition to make. 100%. Like, I look at Pod Colson, like, Pod Colson scored 14 goals last year, right? Like, that. that's pretty good rookie production. Can, can he jump up to 18, right? And if he gets 18 to 20, there's, you know, there's another guy. Uh, I, I think, you know, I, I do believe it's important at times if you can have, and not always, but, you know, having other teammates that speak your native language, I think that can be a benefit for both Kuzmenko and Pod Colson. And, and, you know, it just allows you to relax a little bit more. You know what? Uh, I'd heard all good things, Pod Colson. The guys like him. You know, he fits in. He, he can speak okay. But I'm sure sometimes just on a comfort level, that could help. And definitely will help Kuzmenko make the cultural change for sure. Here's another wild card. Nils Hoaglander. God, he's a little buzzsaw. I like his game. Like he's got he's got to be go top there. nine. He's got to be top nine. Yeah, that's or right. else what's the point? No, he's a buzzsaw though. Like for a small guy, man, he plays in. To quote Todd McClellan, he plays on the inside of players a lot. Got to be top nine. So where do you have the Canucks? I have the Canucks fifth, fifth. behind Vegas. All right. Get to the uh, San Jose Sharks, who by the time this pod comes live, they will have played or be playing their first NHL game of the season uh, in Prague, taking on the Nashville Predators. The uh, San Jose Sharks, they got a new coach, of course. Uh, that, that's probably their, their biggest uh, offseason acquisition. And it was their Quinn. new GM. Right. Uh, new, yeah, he's not on the ice, but. Uh, no, I know, but that's their biggest acquisition in terms of changing what they got. Yeah. Like they got Coonan and, and, and Lindblom come in. You know, really, other than that, Frank, there's there's not a whole new, well, I guess uh, Nudavara on the uh, back end and Matt, Matt Benning, right? Uh, you know, good, solid NHL. And Nudavara stay healthy. Yeah, that's a fair good point. Played so, exactly well, one game last year. I should, I, I, I should mention Scott Harrington, Frank. Scott Harrington is uh, starting the season with Eric Carlson, it looks like, for game one. That's like good for Scott Harrington, but it's probably not great for your team. Yeah, Scott Harrington was a full-time AHL player last year. Yeah, so. And here, I think this is the scariest part for the Sharks, is they're at the cap. Yeah. I mean, there's no wiggle room with this team, and I, I just... I can, they've, they've got another really big question mark this year with, with Timo Meyer. Like, he's another guy that needs a contract. Great player, um, and and 
he does so many things well and is so important for your team. I know at the end of this, he's a restricted free agent, but he has or will have the same exact leverage that Matthew Kachuk had coming out of his contract. It's one more year and then unrestricted free agency. And if he isn't going to sign long-term and I'm not saying there's any indication that's the case, it seems like he's really liked it in San Jose and is, is loved by his teammates. But if they're not going anywhere competitively for a while, is everyone ready to sign up for that? Hurdle was last year and it took until the very last, you know, moment sort of before the trade deadline in order to make it happen. But I think that's my concern with the Sharks is they're paying all these guys to stay that they haven't had any success with for three straight seasons in the lottery zone. Well, what's going to change? Well, the GM, right? That you mentioned it, Frank, and that's where That's now, why I said it. You know, the hurdle one just comes in, but you know, Logan Couture I, I think only has like two or three teams he can be uh, he can be traded to. You know, Eric Carlson, if you trade him, you're going to have No one's taking it. A significant part of his salary, right? Mark Edward Vlasic. Now, Vlasic, I know Frankie, um he, he supposedly worked a lot on his skating. He he went through a really tough divorce, uh, I was told, last year. And it, it, sometimes, guys, that impacts him other ways. Like, he's not going to be the $7 million defenseman. But, like, last year, he was, like, a number six. If he could be a number four for them, at least you can live with it, right? So, that yeah, The that, age curve has hit him hard. Oh, yeah. Wow. They got they got a lot of money tied up in older players. And the they got is, four years left of, of him, of Vlasic. Like, he, he probably should have been bought out this past summer. Yeah, but instead you're looking at a 2023 buyout, which will, will get you a little bit closer. But that cap hit, if they buy him out, would go from seven to to 1.4 the following year. Like you, you probably need to do that at some point if you're going to try and improve your team. Yeah, no, that's fair. So uh, I have the Sharks finishing sixth in the uh, Pacific Division. I, I don't see them really changing much from from where they were last year. Um, I, I think they might be, I think they will play a little bit more of an up-tempo game, Frank. I, I don't think they're going to be as dump and chase as often. So I think that plays in it. Couture and, and uh, Hurdle, you know what? They're not speedsters. They're, they're better as puck possession players. So I, I think that might help them a little bit, but they're going to miss Brent Burns a ton. And uh, that's why I don't really see them improving a lot. So one thing uh, I mentioned, I was taking a deep dive on the numbers. Brent Burns led the NHL by a, huge margin in shots from the point that hit the net, meaning shots through traffic. Dude, he, he was 300 or whatever it was. The number was so big, different than the second closest player in the league. Yeah. Yeah, He's how about that? He's excellent at getting pucks on net. So, you know, you, you take him out. That to me is the, by far the most interesting port, part of the season for the San Jose Sharks, if I could speak, is what kind of stamp does Mike Greer put on this team? Yeah, well, it's going to take him a while for sure. So now that leaves us to two left. Anaheim, of course, uh, finished seventh last year. I actually see them swapping spots. I have them at the the bottom of the uh, Pacific Division. Uh, I think they might, you know, they'll probably come in maybe around similar uh, points, maybe a a few less. You talked about it. I could see them being leapfrogged by Seattle. Yeah. Oh, hundred percent. I just, the, the, you talked about it earlier in uh, buyer, buyer, sell their, their defense. They just, you know what? Now I like Jamie Drysdale for sure. Me right? too. But they have three NHL defensemen. Well, you don't think, what, what about Shattenkirk? Yeah, I think at this point he's a specialist and okay. I think on a good team, he's a seven. And Kulikov, he's a, he's a third pair guy. He was in Minnesota last year. I don't know. 
I, yeah. I, I've never been a Kulikov guy. I, yeah. I just, he gives up home runs, grand slam home runs. Okay. Fair. Like to me, it's, you know, can Jacob Silverberg, you know, can he bounce back? Um, Ryan Strom, it's going to be different without Panarin for Strom, for sure. I, I think Strom's a solid player, but it's, hey. I like the signing. Um, I uh, Mason McTavish, though, man, he's a, that guy. He's, he's good. A, he's, he's got a he's motor. A young, he's a man. Like, he is big and strong. And Mason McTavish, actually, he's he's my contender for Rookie of the Year. I think he's having a, I think he's going to have a really good season for the Ducks. Yeah, look, they've got a lot of really talented pieces, but I just think for their young guys, they're asking them to do an awful lot. Okay. And what about John Gibbs? Like, I think Anthony's, here's my other Frank, to take a, a bold Frank Saravalli take, I think Anthony Stolarz is going to uh, get close to splitting duties with John Gibson this year. Anthony Stolarz was really good last year. Yeah. Uh, they did everything that they, he did everything they asked him to do. I, I don't, uh, what happens? What happens with uh, John Gibson? Like, they're not giving him away, but, you know, they've still got one, two, three, four, five years left of John Gibson. He needs to have a bounce back year, even just for his own, maybe get out of there, sake. Yeah, no, that's fair. So you have the Ducks eighth? Uh, yeah, I have, I, yeah, I have yeah. the eighth. So uh, that leaves us the uh, Kraken, of course. Uh, you talked about their goaltending. Now, what's interesting is down the stretch, Frank, Chris Dreger was their best goalie by far. Like, by far. He had a 936 save percentage at 5-on-5. Five five. He was really good, and he's out. He's not even going to start the season, so they're going to need Grubauer to bounce back. They did add some legit offense in Barakovsky and Bjorkstrand. Right? I think Matty Beneers is going to come in. He's going to make that team. And I say this, Shane Wright, he'll get a few games. He's going to go back to junior is my prediction on that. And Seattle will improve. I think they're going to, they're going to get into the 70s. I think they're going to have a minimum 10-point improvement in Seattle, which should be looked upon as, as a positive step forward. I don't think it makes any sense for Shane Wright to play junior again. I think even if he is trying to find his way in the NHL, it's better off for him than going back to junior. He's accomplished a lot there. I know people look at his point total and say it's not eye popping, but it's still like, I, I, how much has he benefited? I don't know. We'll see. Um, uh, Batty Beneers called her pick. I just think with that goal, like their goaltending brought them down so much last year that I don't think it's possible to be that bad again. Philip Grubauer to borrow a phrase from uh, my friend, Ilya Brisgal, like he was legit lost in the woods last year. 889, like in 55 games, it's it's hard to do. Yeah. Hey, he'll, uh, well, the good news, Frank, is it's going to be hard for him to be worse. I think he'll be better. That's what I said. It's it's almost impossible for them to be worse. <laughs> yeah. So that, and they have, that they do have Martin Jones. You mentioned, um, uh, Dreger yeah. out. And like Jones was, he was serviceable. Like he wasn't great, but he, he at least was at a 900 guy last year. I don't know. I think, you know, some of the forwards that they added like Bjorkstrand, I think Bjorkstrand might've been the steal of the summer. Maybe he doesn't get back to that same 57.28 goal level, but he's still probably 23 to 25 goals, reasonable cap hit. And to get him for a third and fourth round pick, like, the Blue Jack, the uh, Kraken took advantage of a, a Blue Jackets team that I'm shocked that other teams weren't willing to step up and pay more for. 
That's a fair point. Yeah. The, well, it just illustrates the lack of, of cap space for some teams, right? And Seattle, but why why didn't someone else like they were backed into that spot, Columbus, by signing Johnny Gaudreau, right? Mm-hmm. And and signing and uh, Line eight, right? And is and good well, really and good Branson. Like I think had they known how that day was gonna play out, I know they really liked Good Branson and and wanted to add him, but maybe they don't if they do things differently. You know, if they got did it all in a different order, if that makes any sense. Yeah, the 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 Gabranson four mil is is a little bit of a head scratcher for me, right? I, I I like his style of play. He's just he's he's overpaid a little bit, which happens in free agency, right? I'm just, I'm just curious, like who else? But they signed like, him early in the day, and Gaudreau yes. didn't. They didn't even know Gaudreau was a real possibility until like three p.m. And by then, you know. He's already like the contract was already done. There's nothing you can do. You can't unring yeah. the bell. And what that means is you end up saying goodbye to a really good player in Bjorkstrand for for basically nothing because you did it in in opposite order. Who knows? No, Maybe it'll play out well for um for Columbus in the end. Yeah. Well, if Line and Goudreau, man, that is one duo. I'm very looking forward to seeing how they play together, specifically on the power play. I think uh, I think Patrick Line could have a pretty big season in uh, in Columbus this year scoring goals. So uh, you have uh, Seattle seventh, as do I, Frank. Uh, that wraps up the uh, Pacific Division. I want to thank uh, Jonathan Huberto for uh, joining us on the pod. Um, uh, next week, while we will talk, we'll actually have some real NHL games to discuss, of course. Uh, Finally. Nashville. Sick of being bold prediction guy. And uh, we will preview the uh, season. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Because we'll also, uh, we're going to do our pod next week on Tuesday after the uh, all of the uh, the waiver wires where teams have to submit their roster by Monday at 5 p.m. Eastern, uh, 2 p.m. Pacific. And so uh, we'll discuss all of that and uh, talk about a new show on uh, Daily Faceoff as well. So, uh, Frank, have a good weekend. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Thanks for listening to the DFO Rundown with Saravali and Gregor. Keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Delivered by DoorDash. All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. And let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? 
For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear, and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.